Hey, welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. Good afternoon, everyone. Hello, hello. Well, it could be morning or evening where you are. <laughs> My name is Mitch. And I'm Murray. And welcome to Banter. Um, you know what we haven't done for a while, Murray? Uh, we haven't asked each other what's sort of been happening. We've just kind of launched in. I had so, that thought as well. Yeah, so. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. Well, what's been happening in your life, Murray? What's been happening in my life? Um, I have been put to shame by a, a uh, burly, muscly friend of mine who was ripping stones out of the ground on the weekend like <laughs> nobody's business while I sunburnt and, and, and red-faced panted in the corner. Yeah. It, was, it was great to see you in your element at the uh, Working Bee on Saturday, the community garden. Yeah. i tell you what, there's a lot more giant sandstone blocks in that ground than I thought there would be. Yeah, there was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's amazing that there actually was an orchard. At yes. one point with the rocks in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Well, I don't know because we were kind of, uh, there was sort of a bit of a um, passing of the torch. I feel like by the, about the time I had given up, you sort of came over and started because you'd been doing, I think, assembling some raised garden mm. beds before that yeah. or something. But um, I don't know if anyone had shared with you, there was a bit of an archaeological discovery. Oh, was there? I that I'd pulled up um, about, I'd say, 60 centimetre wide strip of AstroTurf. Oh, wow. Um, that was kind of all along this, what seemed like a strip of like big, like sandstone blocks and stuff. So I'm thinking at some point, like at a a previous iteration of that land, somebody had made a homemade cricket pitch. Wow. And had put big stones to kind of try to have it, give it a firm foundation and then laid this AstroTurf on it. And that's why there's these weirdly just buried giant blocks of sandstone. Because I was always told that part was the orchard. Mm. Now, I don't know who told me that. I could be totally wrong. So I just assumed that was the orchard. They could be totally wrong. Yeah, maybe so they told you something yes, wrong. Maybe you're right. Yes. <laughs> you, know, you know, anyway, a cricket pitch. So, so yeah, and I was, I was quite inspired by your, um, your, your <laughs> what would I call it? Um, your, your makeshift sunscreen. <laughs> yes. yes. So, um, so I sweat very easily. I mean, me too. And um, I could, and I burn very easily. And I could feel the sunscreen was coming off, and yeah. so I rubbed the dirt onto my sweaty arms and yeah. made, and didn't get sunburned. Yeah. So I, I got, I got told that this is a, this is an old trick that you learned from your, from a mission trip. Yeah, well, I was in Cambodia. Um, I was we're out digging this um fish pond. Yeah. And um, like, it was just so sweaty and hot, and I rubbed. Actually, it got inspired by Rambo too, because that's what he did, <laughs> mud. And I was like, I'm so hot. I just started rubbing mud on my arms just a way to cool down yeah. and realized, oh, this is actually good sun protection. So I covered like my legs and arms in like mud, just kind of stay cool. Yeah. And my friend, he goes, that's the stupidest thing ever. That's not going to work. And he got roasted. There like, you go. Just, he's whiter than me. And the next day he was covered in mud too. And we didn't get sunburnt. So, there you go. Yeah. But, Rambo. Um, yeah, <laughs> more, more than just an action film. Also educational about Education, sun safety. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who, who knew? Yeah, so good, uh, so good. That's good. Um, I actually Rachel gave me the footage. I haven't watched yes. it yet, but she passed it from. Yeah, she took some drone footage of yeah. the roof, so of the solar panels, and um, I was playing around with the garden on Saturday. So, so good. Yeah, I was saying to her, I feel like mm, I won't say five. I'll say ten years ago. You need to like hire a helicopter to get the kind of shots you can get with a drone, yeah. like just like thousands and thousands of dollars. But now, if you've already paid the money for the drone, just like free aerial shots. Yeah, so. oh, it's absolutely phenomenal. And Rachel's drone is like not 
high end. Sure. Like it yeah. Cost about a grand. Yeah, yeah, but it's not. Yeah, yeah like, it's, it's not the ones that like no, no. the CIA use. No, no. <laughs> but still, it can go up past 120 meters, yeah. like in the air. Can go about a k. Wow, like that's a fair way. It gives you a warning and comes back. Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. So, yeah, yeah you get some pretty cool shots. Yeah. So. Well, I love that you were saying that you guys were at home in the meds and like, oh, has it started yet? Like the, the working bee? I don't know. And Rach just like sent the drone over <laughs> to check. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm going to go. So good. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a very creative use of drone. Yeah, I, know. I, I, well, I endorse it. <laughs> I could have just messaged you, but you know, nah. had to get the drone out. <laughs> Let's be real. I probably wouldn't have seen it. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I had sweated and sunscreen in my eyes. I was ripping up oh. some astro. Turf, but so. you know who I was amazed by? Mm. Drew Taylor. Drew Taylor's a beast. He is a beast, mm. but he didn't have a hat on or sunscreen. And I said, mate, you're going to get so burned. He goes, no, no, no. And the next day at church, not. I was like, wow. that Must be nice to have melanin. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, oh, no, yeah. I anyway, I can't find a segue from gardens to sermon, but I'm just going to do a very <laughs> clunky segue here. <laughs> Oh, I'm not. I'm not you, Murray. No, you okay. segue I, so well. I don't, I don't have one today. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not a current affair. They can do it's great right. segues. But um, <laughs> look, man, awesome message. Thanks, oh, man. It was just fantastic. And um, yeah, part of our to the treasure series about mm. loving God and loving neighbor. And yeah. the, I think I caught it in small group studies the secret to flourishing. Yes. Uh, so, yes. Yeah. Um, just before we jump in with some questions, that article that you shared with mm. us from Miroslav Volf. Yeah. What's, what's some highlights that you found? Um, I mean, look, just the ability to be profoundly humbled by how less smart I am than him um, was a real highlight. No, look, I think that um, I, for me, who like obviously hasn't studied at any real level philosophy mm. and different philosophical ideas, I think I start to become really overwhelmed personally mm. when I start to think about, you know, these obviously you know, Seneca or Nietzsche or mm. many other great philosophical minds. I mean, much smarter than me. I'm, I'm very comfortable to admit <laughs> that. Um, so it can become quite intimidating mm. um, to engage with these worldviews in a way <clears throat> that, um, yeah, it doesn't feel like you're just trying to paddle upstream. Like there's just so many ideas and stuff. And I think that he obviously is someone who has spent... I don't know if it's his life, but a large amount of time in these texts and engaging with these different thoughts um, has, yeah, distilled them down to really simple concepts. Mm. So I think a highlight for me was actually just being able to understand like stoicism and mm. existential nihilism a little bit um, better um, without having to spend a month reading a yeah. book, you know. So I think that, yeah, that's a, a really good encouragement for mm. me that sometimes it's not about going straight back to the source but mm. finding trusted people who can distill these ideas in, in simple ways and, to and then and then you distilled it even more to keep calm and carry on I was like oh, that's sure I, mean, <laughs> I don't know if Wolf would, would agree with my oversimplification <laughs> of stoicism but yeah. I think I think that it is a helpful thing to be able mm. to go look this is a very oversimplified mm. version of but you know just in the same way that jesus says well like love god and love your neighbor mm. like you know that's that's yeah. sort of if you're doing those two things like you're fulfilling yeah. the law and the prophets i think that most of these ideas can in crude but still effective and helpful ways mm. really be simplified down yeah. so it was really cool to then be able to have all of that hard work that volf had done and be like okay mm. great like now let's kind of mm. like throw some things in there 
Um, yeah, and I think that was like the big highlight. And then, um, yeah, something that y- you'd kind of said, and I think that be be great to hear your thoughts on this as well. Mm. His um, sort of conclusion of Ooh. the article was a little bit not not necessarily um, contradicting what no, I was saying. No. It's just a, a, taking it down a different path mm. um, because he kind of focuses a lot more on the idea of loving God and loving neighbor and mm. what that flourishing looks like yeah. in a broader sense, which. Yeah, I think it's just a good challenge for us. Mm. Um, so, yeah, you might have the, the kind of quote yeah. at the end there. Um, so I, I guess to kind of take a couple of steps back before I go into it, he oh, says, yeah, sure. I, I love here how he says about loving God. This is a quote from his article. The challenge facing, facing Christians is ultimately very simple. Love God and neighbor rightly so that we may avoid both malfunctions of faith. And so the malfunction mm. he talks about is, yeah, not loving God properly, like putting... Yeah, idols ahead um, and relate God positively to human flourishing and yet the challenge is also complex and difficult and so yeah, it kind of concludes it with um, part of human flourishing is we need to explicate um, God's relation to human flourishing with regard to the concrete issues we're facing today Yeah. so this is probably the part I was a bit like oh helpful but I wish you could go more he talks about you know from poverty to environmental degradation bioethical issues to international relations from sex to governing and he's like without showing how christian notions of god and human flourishing apply to these concrete issues these notions will remain vague and inert with little impact on how we on the way we actually live and i was like okay cool how do Mm. we live that way so Mm. it's a 24 page article so you're not expecting sure yeah and so and we're sort of chatting a bit off air is how you love god and neighbor in each of those issues will change depending on situation and context mm-hmm. so yeah um so that's probably the only part of the article i'd be like oh, i'd love you just to go deeper of how mm. how how does how does like human flourishing and loving god and neighbor come about with um, a bit more specific yeah with bioethical yeah, yeah. issues so yeah, yeah 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 the covid vaccine was mm. one that yeah. a lot of people had some people it was about because they used the stem cells from aborted babies from the 60s or 70s and we're like, oh i can't do that and then others it was like well no government will tell me to get a jab and so sure. and yeah. then other people it's it's unloving to not get yes. it because you're putting vulnerable people at yeah. risk it's like sort of yeah, another yeah. sort of love yeah. idea that was and, in that. and there's no you can't just google bible first what does the bible say about vaccines yeah <laughs> i mean nothing yeah, I can't believe Jesus didn't address it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> what does the Bible say about you know the environment or any of these other like contemporary issues? Yeah, about global face? warming. Yeah, doesn't yeah. address it. Like, yeah. So, and I guess this is part of the the challenge and of like doing like theology in that sense of like mm. okay, here are some scriptures that are related mm. um, to some issues that area, obviously mm. LGBTI. Mm. Plus, I think that's the acronym now. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, to like abortion. You can kind of say, okay, some of these passages here can be applied into this situation, but others, yeah, like medical issues. The Bible speaks very little mm. about medicine yeah. and how that looks. So, yeah, that's. Uh, I guess that's part of the fun aspect of faith is that mm. Christians will approach an issue and come to different ideas mm. based on I guess their own worldview, their I guess like their theology that bases how they read mm. scripture and just yeah, how they interpret scripture. And I mm. suppose that makes the challenge as the Lord reminded me the other day when I was getting frustrated at reading some articles about yeah. a Christian response, different people's responses to a, an issue. It's like, well this is just part of being in the body. 
yeah. is that yeah people have different ways of viewing but fundamentally the core is am i loving god by this response am i loving my neighbor mm. so <laughs> well it's, it's quite an ironic trap that um yeah. we can sometimes i know i can be guilty of um, being so mad at someone else for not loving their neighbor mm. that we end up not loving them. Yes, <laughs> for not loving their neighbor. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and suddenly it's like, oh, I'm I'm no better. <laughs> you yeah. know, like you don't like somebody because you know. Let's say I'll oversimplify it and mm. say, you know, go for the Penrith Panthers. Yeah. <laughs> it's like so. Then I'm mad at you for it's like, how could you not love somebody just because they're you know mm. for an NRL team they go for, mm. but. If I'm not careful, suddenly I'm being just as unkind yeah. to them. You know, that's a that, very anachronistic yeah. sort of. And, and I guess to even like coming back to sort of like Christian issues, because the church has lots of conflict in how they mm. view things. Is yeah, I was going to say that segues well into kind of some of the things we're going to unpack. Yeah. And so probably one part of your sermon that you didn't really get to, um, yeah unpack as deeply as he liked was 1 John 4, 1 mm. to 11. And so that critique yeah. of what is a false prophet. Yeah, okay, well, yeah. I, yeah, look, I think I kind of, if I'm going to be completely honest, Mitch, kind of skipped the slide and then clocked it and said, I'm not going to go back. Let's just keep <laughs> on going. This train doesn't stop. But yep. yeah, so the um, 1 John 4 passage obviously was the, the, the big focus, but um, verses 1 and 5. Um, so I'll mm. kind of read verse 5 and then, uh, read verse 1 and then jump forward to verse 5. Uh, he writes, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And then jump mm. forward. Uh, they are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to mm. them. I thought this was a really interesting idea because um, I think it's easy um, to sort of overly spiritualize if that's that's such a thing um this idea when he's talking about do not believe every spirit but test the spirits mm. um he's actually talking about in context here of false prophets um and that ultimately these false prophets uh speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them now these false prophets may sometimes be what we would call heretics who are mm. um uh, claiming to share Christian ideas or ideals, but that they actually are in contradiction to the true biblical message. Um, but I think the way that John's talking about false prophets here could also apply um, very fairly to people who are suggesting that happiness, fulfillment, you know, the, the good life, the, the true way to live is something outside of the biblical framework. And that was sort of, I mean, I think that I sort of explored that a bit, but I think it's important to see here that like th this is something that John is really challenging his readers to be really critical of people who are speaking from the viewpoint of the world but are ultimately false prophets because I think that it's very easy for us as we are marinating in the same culture that a lot of these you know false prophets are a part of to go yeah that is right <laughs> yeah, no, actually, yeah, I, I kind of agree with that because we are, you know, all marinating in the same source. So we go, mm. we start to take on these things and these ideas start to almost cling to us a little bit and stick to us more than we realize. Um, so I sort of, you know, spoke on, on Sunday very briefly about the value of being a cultural critic. And I think that mm. that's a really daunting sort of mm. mantle to need to hold up um and i was sort of thinking in hindsight i was like well what what's some 
helpful sort of 101 cultural criticism things. Um, so I'll use an example of a, a TV show that Em and I watched recently um, called Based on a True Story, which is um, a very dark comedy on uh, Apple TV about this couple who... Um, the wife is obsessed with murder mystery podcasts and through an uncanny series of events, they come into contact with a real serial killer and they decide that they're going to keep his identity a secret so that they can interview him and create a, you know, just a viral podcast and make lots of money out of it. And, you know, obviously there is an ethical dilemma there in the show that they are enabling this serial killer to continue go out and murdering people while they are profiting off this. Um, but I think that the show actually does critique that. I think that's kind of what the show is critiquing. It's critiquing this weird sort of, you know, fetishization and, and, and fascination with murder and with people who are, you know, just awful, degraded, evil people. Um, I think that it is critiquing that. So I don't think that the show is necessarily in that breath, um, you know, elevating an ideal or value, which isn't biblical. I think that the show's agreeing that murder is wrong. <laughs> and I think that it's also critiquing our modern weird fascination with murder. Like, mm. why are we, so? why do we yeah. romanticize these serial killers and want to know more and more? But one thing that I think the show does miss out on um, as far as a Christian worldview is the wife of, you know, the other two main characters is heavily pregnant with their first child and the husband is sort of a retired professional tennis player. So both of them from a very shallow sort of, you know, Western cultural view are no longer the most sexually viable they've ever been. You know, he's sort of a retired sports star. He's past his prime and she's now heavily pregnant, you know, so she doesn't have the bikini body and isn't sort of that that sort of, um, yeah, super desirable mm. woman that's going to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated. And every single episode of the show, and I was starting to clock this as I'd kind of gotten into episode mm. three, there is a scene, at least one scene, where one of them has a sexual fantasy about someone else who isn't their spouse. But throughout the entire season of the show, not once do they have sex. Not once is there any real suggestion that they are physically attracted to each other. It's this idea that they are in a sexless marriage and the idea that they are past their prime. So it was just a real interesting thought for me to go, okay, cool. In this show, there, is, there are two values here, right? Like in this, just for this example of murder and adultery, really. Yeah. Now, just because the theme of murder is being explored, it doesn't mean that it has to be in contradiction to Christian mm. values. Um, meanwhile, the theme of adultery is expressed even as a fantasy. It's not actually mm. being done. But I think that there's such a huge comment on our culture's belief that Essentially, once you get married, the best years of your sex life are over. Mm. <laughs> yes. uh, and it only gets worse and worse yep. as you get older. So being a cultural critic, all of that um, mm. massive <laughs> rant to say when we're engaging with anything, whether it's, you know, a lecture or a book or a movie, um, what is this medium mm. putting value in and what is it denigrating? And I think that they're two really helpful questions to start to think how is this medium, this TV show or whatever's viewpoint or worldview different to the Christian worldview? Mm. I think that's a helpful start to get into the, you know, meat and potatoes mm. of cultural criticism. What is something that we're engaging with 
denigrating and what is it elevating Mm. and how does that compare to the Christian worldview? Yeah, that's really helpful. Very, very helpful. I I like just little bites, yeah. Yeah. Great, elevate. That's easy to remember. Yeah. You can't remember cultural (laughs) being a cultural critique. (laughs) Yeah. If it's too hard, just denigrate, elevate. Yeah. That one, dear listener. Yeah. (laughs) Mine's a bit of um, Spurgeon. Mm. He sort of said, I don't think he would have used the word cultural critique. This is like, Christians should have a Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other. That mm. idea is like, well, you, you need both. Like yeah, yeah, essentially yeah. saying to understand the world, yeah. we also need to understand scripture. You can't be so closeted away from the world. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's a tension, which I think Jesus perfectly balances. He hung out with sinners and tax collectors. Yeah. And yeah, wasn't polluted by them. No. Was able no. to understand totally their view and their totally. worldview but yeah and the same with us we need to understand where people are coming from mm. their worldview critique that like you said through what denigrates christian foundations yeah. and what elevates like yeah that. and I, I think that there's i mean it's probably like one of my sort of favorite passages in the bible when paul talks about you know when i was with the jews i i spoke like a jew i acted like a jew mm. so as to win as many as possible yeah. this idea that I think that part of being good cultural critics is also not being afraid to go outside the bubble (laughs) a little bit, to go outside the city walls and engage and being confident enough in our own faith (laughs) um, that, yeah, we we, we can actually engage genuinely and deeply with people. um, There's a really great book by John Dixon called Spectator's Guide to World Religions. Um, And throughout the book, he explores five world religions, including Christianity. And he sort of talks about this idea from the beginning of the book. Um, I know what you're thinking. How are you, a Christian, like, an, you know, mm-hmm. quite a committed Christian, the best person to critique <laughs> mm. and compare these, you know, five religions, one of which being Christianity? And he says, well, you know, I kind of see myself as a curator in a museum with five masterpieces. Now, if I genuinely believe that Christianity is the best artwork, the best masterpiece mm. in this museum, there is no need for me to place it in a position in the museum uh, with any greater focus, put any more light on it. I genuinely believe that each of these five religions, given their own equal representation, Christianity comes out on top. And he goes, and in fact, if I feel like I have to sort of put the put the deck in Christianity's favour, um, then that's actually a bit of an indictment on my faith, mm. where I don't think the Christianity yeah. stands on its own two legs. So I think that it really does come back to having that confidence in our own faith. Mm. Yeah, I do believe that Christianity is the truth Mm. (laughs) and is the life and that I am able to put it up against any other worldview and it's going to be able to be robust enough Mm. to come to heads with it. And and just thinking too about our goal for this year of 24 baptisms in 2024, this idea of being able to culturally critique, because the whole point of 24 and 24 is for us to become more evangelistic, to yeah. be more outward focused, not just grow by sheep shuffling. Mm. And that means we're going to encounter people that have a very different worldview mm. from Christianity. And so understanding where people are at is very important. It's one of the things I like about YouTube. It's the only real social media I use is... Mm. Um, yeah, I watch one of these clips from different, I guess, podcasters interviewing a range of people across society. And, like, it's actually quite, as a pastor, as a Christian, horrific. Like, some people's mm. view about sex and relationships yeah. and 
But this is the world we're kind of in. And to understand that's important because it gives us a basis to work with people that, mm. yeah, the bulk of people out there don't think having sex with multiple people at once is even a problem now. Mm. Like sex before marriage is like, oh, that's not a big issue. And so, yes, yeah, sure. then that's, and that's just one example of where we're at as a society. But that's mm. a really helpful like gauge. Okay, this is where people are at. You need to understand that. And so, mm. and being able to build and speak into people contextually in a way that they can understand mm. Jesus mm. and I see that and yeah if it, and so that's why they like being able to critique is so important that's what's it's one helpful thing about watching television and like movies mm. is that it gives you a window into the culture because totally. the ancient historians will use like the narratives of different cultures and mythologies to understand how they view things well mm. it's the same with us is like well Hollywood uses stories to sort of reveal where we are culturally and so you get a good little window into yeah yeah so i actually like watching movie reviews because i don't have to watch the movie (laughs) i just get a little five or ten minute soundbite into the movie and understanding of where yeah where society's headed no i totally agree so yeah 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 and i think that sometimes you know tv and and movie makers are intentionally pushing their agenda Mm. and sometimes it's completely subconscious and it's just you know again the the thing that they're marinating in um uh, one thing that might be helpful and sort of as a segue into something else that would be cool to talk about um is the wesleyan quadrilateral this was something which came up so the other day i one of the um small groups that meets here on a monday kind of pulled me into their their (laughs) room and was like hey how do we like actually love our neighbor and i think that one thing that this idea of a wesleyan quadrilateral is helpful for both in being a cultural critic and in this idea is john wesley put forth this model for how to engage with a theological Mm. idea Um, and essentially he challenged people to put it through four frames which is first scripture Mm. (laughs) right because scripture is god breathed and Mm. he was a you know faithful christian so yeah put it through the the lens the filter if you will of scripture Um, and in no particular order this quadrilateral doesn't Mm. necessarily say that one of these is more important than the other another filter to then put it through is experience Mm. our own personal experience what have we experienced in the world Mm. that informs us in any way about this issue Um, a third one is reason so hey like God has given us wisdom and Mm. reason and rationale so putting it through just common sense essentially Mm. and then the final one is tradition which is kind of sometimes one that we don't look to Mm -hmm. but what has the church previously and church fathers and mothers if you will sort of written thought about um, and done about in, in any sort of way these things um, and I think that this is helpful um, when we go into this idea of loving your enemies and what mm. that actually looks like as well because um, I was kind of sharing with you off air there's this um, I do like John Piper in some ways I think some of his stuff mm. is really really great and he's you know much much smarter than I am so there's you know <laughs> Dr. Piper D- sorry yeah, yeah, sorry yeah, yeah, Dr. Yeah. Piper <laughs> Um, but there was a little soundbite, which, you know, I'm glad that I'm not popular enough in, in the church world to have soundbites cut down of me. Uh, but I think that it seemed like this soundbite was in context to what he was saying, did represent mm. him, which was he was given a question in an interview. What would be your pastoral advice to a woman or a wife mm. who was living within a domestic violence situation? And he essentially said, look, I think that my advice would be to continue to forbear 
for as long as possible to essentially continue to live in that household of violence mm. and continue to put up with that. And I think that you could definitely, if you wanted to justify that position, which I disagree with, <laughs> it's important well, to I say I also point. use that soundbite in a sermon against, like, yeah, yeah. Against, like kind of going, this is wrong. So, yeah. yeah. I agree with you on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I think that um, the reality is um, we can't just look to scripture <laughs> mm. to say, hey, love your enemy. Just continue yeah. to love that person and continue to live in a household where, you know, if there's any children involved, their safety is hugely compromised. Um, statistically, you are very, very likely to be murdered. Mm. Like most people who are murdered, um, yeah. majority murdered by someone they love. Yeah. Like particularly in, domestic particularly in Australia. Like totally. That's basically, yeah. Um, so I don't think that's sound advice because if, for, in my view, in my opinion, he seems to only be focusing on one of the four sides of that Wesleyan quadrilateral. Mm. He's not really looking to common sense <laughs> or reason. You know, he's not really looking to experience even anecdotally of other people who've been murdered in these situations. Mm. So that's sort of a segue into how do we actually love our enemies? Mm. I feel like the Wesleyan quadrilateral is maybe one for filter yeah. that's helpful. But yeah, obviously there's more to this than just mm. being a doormat for people. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I was th I think just that. Well, let's keep going with that do that domestic violence sort of yeah idea. I remember the sermon I preached on. I was using um, one Peter mm. about wives submitting, and it was just at the time when Julia Baird had written that article for the ABC. Mm. A lot of Christians felt like Christianity was attacked. She also like wrote against Islam too, mm. and yeah, she argued that a lot of DV happened with. And she, oh, I can't remember the exact wording, but essentially it was along the lines of men that go to church but aren't really practicing Christians. Yeah. So she didn't say it was Christianity. She said no. it was, there's a number of it. And she said it happens a lot in churches where the family might go to church and the husband uses scripture as a way to mm. like, yeah, threaten the wife. And mm. I remember using Piper's quote as part of that sermon saying, yeah, and essentially arguing, and Paul in 1 Corinthians um Yes, yeah, seven. He had this idea about um, where if the husband or wife who isn't a believer leaves, let them go. And it's kind of like, okay, there's an abandonment. Jesus said adultery was the reason. And mm. I think Jesus was talking to a very specific context where mm. like in the first century, a uh, husband could divorce a wife for sort of any reason. Yeah. Like there was these ridiculous yeah, yeah, yeah. ones if she cooked a bad meal. And yeah, yeah, yeah. so he was addressing an issue which was like, culturally appropriate at the time we're like you yeah. can't just divorce your wife because you don't like how she cooks yeah, like there's yeah, a yeah. Like, or because maybe you want a younger model yeah like, like you know yeah. he goes look at genesis like this is the idea marriage is meant to be for life that yeah. whole cleaving and yeah that language of if you tear it apart it leaves damage like putting mm. glue on a paper that was the idea jesus was pointing to is addressing mm. a specific issue and when paul writes to the church in corinth you've got now gentiles and you got you know, one mm -hmm. partner might be and so and this is sort of, I think, I think a good basis. If you've been abandoned, like that's a grounds for divorce. So mm. I think if you're in a DV situation, you have been abandoned yeah. by that. Um, Ephesians 5 is that classic, Ephesians, yeah, 5. Yeah, that classic passage, um, you know, um, a lot of Christians only focus on wife submit <laughs> yeah. to your husband. You're like, well, actually yeah. read the part before that husbands love your wives yeah, yeah, as yeah. Christ loved the church. Yeah. You're like, yeah, we all submit to Jesus, but no, none of us feel like... I don't know a better word. I think in English, submission just... I just think of USC fighting. Yep, and, you know, totally. you're like being in a choke and you're tapping out on the floor. Yeah. 
Yeah, like I, I don't see myself as submitting to crisis. Crisis got me in a chokehold. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. I'll do what you say. It's a, it's a loving thing. It's this, yeah. He, Jesus says my yoke is easy and my burden yeah. is light. There is a authority there, but it's an authority of love, which is yeah. demonstrated upon the cross, and that's what Paul's saying. Husbands need to do yeah. that, and if you lead as a husband in that same way, then wives can submit to that. And so yeah. it puts an onus on husbands, really, I see. It's like, actually, it's not about husbands. You do what I say. It's actually, well, you demonstrating Christ. And yeah, yeah. and I feel like in, in that situation where a woman is, and Diva is very, very complex, super messy. Like, there's sure. no easy answer. Yeah, but sure. I feel in a sense that, yeah, you've been abandoned. And yeah. yeah. So I think there's grounds to... Yeah, even you don't file for laws, but to escape and just just saying, well, submit and endure and forbear is not overly helpful. No. And sadly, many a woman has been told that by a pastor to just sort of, oh yeah, just sort of accept it. And I remember after I preached that sermon, one of the older ladies in the congregation came up with like good tears in her eyes, and she said, "There's only at that time, husband was beating me, and she said, someone told me to leave him." She goes the first time. Everyone just said, oh, just endure it. And it was the wow. best thing I did for my family. Yeah. Safe. So, yeah. There's, this what I mean. There's sort of, this is where loving God and loving neighbor is. Mm. You could just take the black and white approach mm. and be like, well, this is what it says. You just suck it up. and mm. Or, yeah. That, I like that. The Wesleyan quadru- quadrilateral. Yeah, yeah, I've heard yeah. that since college. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. great. So <laughs> it's a helpful way of like, yeah, yeah. looking through issues. Yeah, so, I think so. Mm. Um, so in this... Um, we, we are exploring now this idea that there must be some caveats to love your enemy yeah. and which, which I think I, I feel, I feel good about that. <laughs> like I'm okay with that. Um, but at the same time, there are still some real challenges that mm. Jesus does give us for very genuinely loving our enemy. And I think that one thing for me, which is really important in all of this is uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew five forty four, Jesus says, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Mm. For me, I think there's a really important tension there that there is a type of, like, this is really intense from a, mm. like, you know, 2024 Sydney, mm. <laughs> you know, worldview where this is not our reality. Like Jesus is saying, endure persecution, like even physical persecution mm. because of your faith. Yeah. And I think that this is a really interesting caveat that suddenly this sort of persecution when it comes to our faith kind of takes on this this other thing. I mean, when you look at church history, mm. the early church saw martyrdom being killed for yeah. your faith almost as a sacrament, like as, as the greatest mm. sacrament, as the most holy thing. There's even stories of martyrs, you know, in the second century being set on fire in the middle of a circle and other Christians jumping in and being, <laughs> hey, light me on fire too. So it was like almost this... Um, it almost became like idolatry. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. It it's like, problem. you know, I believe that I, I'm somehow going to be more holy, be more rewarded yeah. in heaven. I mean, look, it's it's a bit it kind of has some similarities to radical Islam in the way of, you know, if I do this, I'll be rewarded, you know, this Mm. death. Um, But there is this really interesting relationship between our faith and persecution and loving enemies and what Mm. that looks like, which has its own 
thing. Yeah, and it's really, really fascinating about how we kind of draw these things in tension, mm. what things look like when people, yeah, persecute you for your faith. Mm. Well, I, I just remind me of 1 Peter 4. And Peter says, if you're insulted because, this is 1 Peter 4, 14, if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rest on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. So Peter's like, hey, like this is actually like... Super helpful. Yeah, really. It actually kind of gives us a good answer to yeah. like... Yeah, what Jesus has been speaking about in the sermon is that as a Christian, if you're suffering as a Christian, like that's an honor. Yes. Yeah. Don't be suffering because you're a sinner. Essentially, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Framing around how we love our enemies, I was sort of talking a little bit um, off air, and I, I thought that passage from Proverbs, which mm. Paul quotes from, so Romans twelve, twelve, um, twenty. So he quotes from quotes from Proverbs twenty five twenty one and twenty two. So this is Romans twelve twenty. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Mm. And so actually, Paul's saying that in response to not taking vengeance yeah. against people. So he's saying, actually, I should read the whole thing out. So it's really it's a great part of Romans. This is seventeen. Do not repay evil anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, which is interesting, mm. like depends on you Reason. as far as possible, <laughs> live at peace with everyone. So yeah. he's recognizing it's going to be conflict, yeah, yeah, but yeah. like your responsibility, you take the personal responsibility yeah. to make sure you be at peace. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it's mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. And that's where that problem is. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. And do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so mm. there's that sense there of, um, yeah, as Christians, we follow Jesus' radical teaching. And it is mm. radical. Mm. He said it on the sermon, yeah the pagans and the tax collectors do that like that's not unique to yeah. love those who love you it's yeah. very easy um that's how you are my follower as jesus was on the cross you know, you know father forgive them mm. um, yeah and in that yeah i find that passage interesting all that proverb that paul's quoting from about yeah feeding your enemy giving him something to drink and in a way yeah nicely shame them like mm. sort of like okay yeah i don't know how i don't know how to phrase that better but in a way of like mm. you know any way i can think about this is um one encounter was um when i was part of the red frogs team the guy who was overseeing so red frogs is a chaplaincy they usually go schoolies if you don't know hand out red frogs like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. i think and, they're still allowed to they might help, not be and help a bunch of drunk <laughs> yeah people. teenagers yeah, 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 so. Yeah, and high probably so at the time so this must be 2012 Winter Magic, which is a festival up in Katoomba, was just out of control. The mm. underage drinking was rampant. The council and wanted to close it, shut it down because it was just getting out of hand. Um, group of Christians and pastors in the mountains got together and said, hey, if we run Red Frogs, can we sort of, yeah, we'll be there to help out like underage drinking. Actually, mm. while they first night I was there, I had to call the parents of some kid who was there, like passed out. And it was interesting. His mates like, don't call his parents. They're getting so much trouble. And I said, no, I think his mum and dad are going to know that. Yeah. And they were so grateful that I called. But yeah, of course. Anyway, yeah. cut a long story short. Um, yeah, so the guy running it, he was part of all the planning meetings. And the 
man heading up the Winter Magic Festival hated him. Just just mm. every meeting would belittle him, shut him down, wanted, wanted no Christian presence at Winter mm. Magic, which is essentially a pagan festival to celebrate the winter solstice. <laughs> like they actually yeah, 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 yeah. in Katuma, there's lots of yeah, witches and warlocks and all sorts of like, yeah, yeah. sort of witchcraft that goes on. And um, he was saying in the debrief that um, he's walking up the main street of Katoomba and saw this guy struggling to get something into his car. And he was like, first of all, I was like, sucked him. Uh, sure. Yeah, you deserve that. And then like the Lord rebuked him and actually helped him. And the guy was sort of like very sheepish said, oh, thank you. And sort of like, I think that's kind of the example yeah, of like, it's great. Yeah. It's probably the only example I really think of. Like, that kind of like, helpfully shaming of like actually yeah. I've been awful to you but you're helping me yeah. I, I don't know what to do with this so yeah. I'm kind of it's like you've shamed me but in a good way mm. and pointed me to something deeper so mm. yeah I guess that's one way of loving our enemy yeah. do not repay evil, evil for evil <laughs> yeah yeah that's really it yeah. but I suppose too Jesus says pray like if you can't sort of have the opportunity to feed or <laughs> help, help someone drink, with their help car. them out you know yeah. maybe just pray for them that's yeah yeah, many of us have prayer lists, but we don't have our enemies on there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I love this idea of when we stop thinking only about what is prayer doing, how mm. how is like prayer moving God, <laughs> mm. and think about how is prayer moving us. Yeah. So if we genuinely hold hatred in our heart for someone, mm. and then we're going to commit to praying for them for a week, how is that going to start changing our heart yeah. as well? I think that obviously there's more to it than just an inner transformation, mm. but I think that prayer can be really powerful in that way as well. It's quite humbling to do that. And look, enemy is a pretty strong word. Sure. Look, I don't think I have any enemies. No. Probably people that I find deeply frustrating. <laughs> and again, I'm sorry for that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and so I wouldn't call them enemies, but yeah, actually it's a rebuke for me too to be reminded. Like the people that grind my gears yeah. for whatever reason, whether they're just different and do things differently, it's like actually pray a blessing over them. That's very humbling. Mm. And yeah, the other parable I think of which I think hits the nail on the head the parable the unmerciful servant and mm. yeah, I love it here it says you know the settlement it's in this is the NIV it says owed him 10,000 bags of gold 10,000 talents and it's like it says a little footnote here a talent is worth about 20 years of a day laborer's wage so 10,000 talents that's yeah. like it's just I don't think that, like, you couldn't have imagined the number. No. Let's just yeah, go, yeah, like, yeah. trillions it's of like dollars. It's absolutely bankrupt. <laughs> yeah. Forever. In, in the story of the Bible that we watch with the kids, it says million dollars. I'm like, oh, that's not enough. Yeah. You should be talking about like one trillion. trillion yeah, like, yeah. you know, <laughs> one trillion dollars. Like, yeah. it's just, like, you just can't imagine the number. En enough to buy a small house. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's forgiven. And then, and I think, too, what, the guy owes, he goes, he owes, this other servant owes him a hundred silver coins. So it's, it's still substantial. Mm. Like it's not zero, yeah. but it's enough. Like he has obviously owed enough. And obviously the point of the parable is, okay, let's go with sin. We've mm. committed like enormous amounts of sin yeah. that cannot be paid off. We owe off. God a trillion dollars. Yeah, yeah. In, in, in spirit <laughs> bucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and someone owes us a hundred. So they've wronged us and yeah. shamed us and that was the whole point Peter's asking Jesus well how many times do you forgive and Jesus like 70 times 7 i.e. unlimited yeah. kind of jumping back to 7 being the perfect number yeah yeah. and so I, I like that Jesus recognises that yeah people will still hurt us and there's something that needs to be forgiven mm. but 
if you cannot forgive those that have wronged you, God won't forgive you. And it's a terrifying parable. Mm. Terrifying. You're like, crikey, how many? Yeah, how many of us sort of sit there with like an unforgiveness, and bitterness mm. in our heart? And Jesus said too on the sermon, like if you go to put an offering and you hold something against the brother, go and be reconciled. It's yeah, it's Jesus is pretty big about loving enemies and forgiveness. Yep. It seems to be the yeah thing that he's on about, which is unique to other yeah yeah religions. Yeah, it's definitely. I think that there's a lot of um, so like uh, um, not 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 going to be able to quote what yep. what book or passage it's from, but I know the Quran says something along the lines of love everyone the way a mother loves her child. Mm. So then you know, sort of Muslims will say, well, that like includes your enemy, you know. Yeah, but explicitly, Christianity seems to be the only religion yeah. that I have have come across any text that says like love your enemy yeah. and pray for those who persecute yeah. you. It is a unique, um, yeah, unique command, and I think that it's something which, as many of the teachings in the Sermon on the Mount is a lifelong journey of continuing yeah. to never perfect, but yeah. always to, you know, aim for. Strive for. Yeah. And this is like, it gets why we call it the journey is that it's not like, okay, no, it's not like the matrix where you say, and just, all right, the spiritual knowledge is just. I know Kung Fu. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's a journey. And I guess like a lot of journeys, yeah, if we're walking, to use that analogy that Jesus uses, enter through the narrow gate. I often picture the narrow gate as beginning a mountain. That's just how I like to imagine mm. life. And like mm. climbing up mountains, there's times where you're probably going to fall and slip and get tired. But yeah, the idea is you're continually progressing towards the summit. Mm. And that's, yeah, not going to happen in this lifetime. But to be, yeah, constantly doing that, to be yeah. striving for that. Yeah. Yeah. And to just c completely take that beautiful analogy way too far. The only way to get up that mountain is with a really great Sherpa. Yeah. <laughs> and you need yeah, Jesus yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be guiding the way. Mm. I love it. Well, um, I am very, very excited um, to listen to your sermon this Sunday after the fact because I will be on holidays in Jerangong. but <laughs> what are you uh, sharing um, so Sunday? looking at Luke 5 1 to 11 when yeah. Jesus um, tells Peter to throw his net off into the deep waters mm. and the abundant har abundant I was going to say harvest abundant fish yeah. abundant catch yeah, 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 harvest yeah, yeah. fish yeah, yeah, yeah. and so and then <laughs> that being the yeah catalyst for him following Jesus and the call to become a, a mm. fish is a fisher of men mm. and so yeah looking at the idea of are we where are we casting our nets mm. um, yeah because without giving too much away putting your net in deep water in the middle of the day is not the normal way to fish mm. in the ancient world Mm. Right. That's why Peter's like, mm, yeah, we fished at night and didn't catch anything. So, yeah. And I'm exhausted now. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> like, this is dumb, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. And so that idea is that with Jesus actually bringing life out mm. of, yeah, the depths of um, places. So, yeah, just that, that idea framing around like, well, where are we casting our nets? Is our life Jesus-powered? Are our nets Jesus-powered? Or are they just sitting there empty, being cleaned and needing to be repaired, not accomplishing anything? So. Mm. Love it. Yeah. 
Exciting. Oh. Well, enjoy your holiday, Mark. Yeah, thanks, man. Pray, pray I don't get sunburnt, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I need to get some dirt on me. There we go. Yeah, we segue go to back beach. to the beginning. Go, go to the beach, man. Just, uh, <laughs> actually, no, sand doesn't stick very well. Just, just right. find some mud. I'll just try and find a community garden down in Jerangal. Just get, roll get around in the mud and then you'll be right, mate. Well, look, we, we, if, if you listen to this episode, it's a perfect sight circle now. You can <laughs> listen back to the beginning. <laughs> thanks yeah, for the chat, man. Fine. Thank you. See you, everyone. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.